Blog Talk Radio. This is the story of the Son of God Hanging on the cross for me But it ends with a bride and a groom In a wedding by a glassy sea Oh, death, where is your sting? Cause I'll be there singing
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We are so grateful. We are so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. We're so grateful to be here to share the word of the Lord. Shalom, shalom, my brother and my sister. Welcome to the Lord's hour. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for his love and his mercy that endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I got to share a mighty word tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to go ahead and thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. I want to go ahead and thank you there, Brother Body, and go into prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Just ask, ask the Lord to take over and minister, hallelujah, according to the need of his people. God, God is the only one that knows the need of his people. Praise you, Lord. I got to deliver a message tonight from the throne of God. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, mighty Lord, mighty God, forgive our sin and trespasses, Lord Jesus. I help you, I, Lord Jesus, I, I, I inquire of your help tonight in Jesus' name, Lord. Forgive our sins. Cleanse and forgive our trespasses. We repent of our sins, Lord, and trespasses in Jesus' name, oh, Lord. Oh, God, cleanse our body, soul, and spirit, Lord Jesus. I ask you, mighty Lord, to minister to your people according to their need, Lord. Cover everyone listening under the blood of Jesus, every home, every life, Lord Jesus. Everyone listening, Lord. Lord Jesus, I come in agreement with my brothers and sisters that every life that comes to listen tonight will be touched by you in a mighty special way, Lord Jesus. That every state, every nation listening, Lord, every state of the United States and every nation around the United States will be touched in Jesus' name. As they listen to tonight's message, Lord, I pray you, Jesus, and I ask you, Lord, that you minister to them, Lord Jesus, that the word you're going to have me deliver tonight, Lord, will be a powerful word to their life. Lord Jesus, mighty Lord, mighty God, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, oh, God, I ask you, Jesus. I ask you, Lord, for you to minister, Lord. Cover everyone listening, their family, their home, the heir of their home, Lord Jesus. This house is my own, my family, under the blood of Jesus, the blood of, the blood of Yeshua, the bloodshed and covering. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, we bind the storm and all hindering spirit from the from heavenly places, hell on earth. In Jesus' name, from the, we bind the we we break the work against us. In Jesus' name, Jesus and Peter, all of you on the cross, we claim what Jesus said on the cross. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. I thank you, Jesus. Almighty Lord, Almighty God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your anointing, Lord, be so strong, Lord. I said, what is afternoon? Let your presence be strong, Lord. I ask you to touch and minister, Lord, for in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. name, oh, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. If you can hear me fine, thank you, Lord. Let me know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If you can hear me clear, let me know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our God is so awesome. Our God is so good. Brothers and sisters, praise you, Lord. This morning, hallelujah, I was in the throne of Jesus. I was in the throne of heaven by the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not because I am better than anyone or because I deserve to be there, but it's by his mercy and by his grace. 
And what I saw there was incredible, powerful. Thank you, Jesus. I was in that throne, and in in, in I opened my eyes. Glory was so so powerful, so strong, brothers and sisters. It's, remember that I'm coming out of darkness into that glorious glory, and I can hardly look into it, brothers and sisters. But one thing the Lord allowed me to see in that throne was that people from the U.S. and the world were praying. People in different places from the earth were praying to heaven. And from heaven, from that throne, I can see that. I can see people from everywhere praying to God, praying to Jesus. My goodness, and those prayers were coming into that throne. Like, just to describe it, like missile, like lightning. Lightning is a better word. Those prayers were coming to that throne of the Lord. And, and it was so clear. You can hear people praying so so clear for, 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 for different things people were praying to God. But, you know, one thing I noticed as people were praying, and I was in the throne, and, and I could, uh, hallelujah, and I can hear, yes, the Lord said he makes a house, his house a house of prayer. Thank you for that, because I've seen that, 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 that verse this week. Thank you, Lord. His house is a house of prayer. And many people have forgotten to pray. And there are many Christians not praying. I'm, I want to encourage you tonight to pray. Also, I have a, another powerful message to give you tonight. Very powerful. Thank you, Lord, from the throne of God. From the throne of God. And very exciting for the people in the U.S. People in the United States need to hear this message tonight. The Church of Christ in the United States need to hear tonight's message. Because Father God is going to intervene in the election, in the next election of the United States. That's what Jesus showed me. I, I got, that's what I'm telling you. It is a power message, praise you, Lord, that it was shown to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. But let me tell you what happened this morning, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. In this, in this, uh, in this morning, this morning, I was praying uh, early in the morning, one between one between one and two o'clock. Hallelujah! And I tell you this, brothers and sisters, that I asked the Lord if He was going to take me to heaven. He said, "Yes." Man, I was so excited for that. Praise the Lord! I was wondering what was He going to show me, but I just said, "Lord, show me whatever the Hallelujah You want to show me." Praise the Lord! Let the will of God be done in not my will. Thank you, Jesus. And brothers and sisters, praise you, Lord. When, when, when I was taken this morning to heaven, I could not see up in that glory again. It was so powerful. It was so strong. But I could see all the pray, all the people that were praying for that throne. And all the prayer that was, that was coming up. And, you know, that's why we cannot judge any prayer. Say, oh, that prayer is too weak. Or when someone prays, we need to encourage people to pray. Because there was prayer that I found that was too short. But Jesus heard him from that throne clear. Brothers and sisters, oh, my goodness, how clear prayer comes before the throne. How clear God's people's prayer comes before the throne. This is why James says, the prayer of the righteous avail much. And that word avail is the word can do much. The prayer of the righteous can do much or, or, or can do so much. The prayer of the righteous can do so much. If people knew they would pray more, they would 
They will not stop praying. They will pray without ceasing. That's how Jesus started, brothers and sisters. They will pray without ceasing. I'm telling you, it was incredible to see all those prayers going before the throne and watching earth from the throne. It was incredible, too. My goodness. That throne of God is so powerful. The throne of Jesus is so powerful. Praise the Lord. But I, I can see all these prayers coming through, and it was so powerful. But before this revelation, what the Lord showed me was, I saw the hand of Father God coming in this election of this year, between this year and next year. The hand of Father God is going to come down on the U.S. U.S., listen careful, because before I share this, I'm going to go into the Word. Hallelujah. People need to listen careful. You can write this on stone and steel. Because Father God, hallelujah, have heard the prayer of his people of the U.S. He has a lot of church over the U.S., a lot of his people over this land, his land, because the earth and everything in it belongs to God. And people have forgotten that. It doesn't belong to Washington. It belongs to God. Listen careful, because Father God is going to intervene. Obama and the, and, and, and the people in the White House have, have already someone who they want to elect for the next president. And Father God is going to put his hand and change this, going to let this someone go into power. Enough is enough. The church of Jesus are praying. People have cried out for America to the throne of God, and God has said amen. Amen. That's what I was listening to this morning in heaven. When Jesus, when God says, amen, I answer that prayer. I heard Jesus, amen, your prayer is answered. So the, so the prayer that was coming to the throne, I heard when the Lord was saying, your prayer is answered. I answer your prayer. Oh, it was so exciting. So exciting. God is answering prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I, and I was in that throne, and I can hear the Lord say to people, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. God answers prayer and the prayer of the righteous, the prayer of the church, and the cry of America to God, the cry of the people. Thank you, Jesus. The cry of God's people in America for God to intervene with his government. Father God has cried, and he's going to intervene. Listen careful, America. Listen careful, people of the USA. God it's going to put a precedent in the next election. Write it on stone, write it on steel, write it whatever you want to write it. But you're going to see this fulfilled on television with your own eyes. God has said enough is enough. Enough is enough of this evil in the White House. God is going to intervene. That's it. This evil can go to the U.N., they can go to Europe, can go wherever he wants to go. But God is going to put his man in the White House in the next election. Father God, I saw Father God doing this. I saw God in, grab this man, and put him in office. Brothers and sisters, if whom Father God wants in office in this next election, oh, I, I, I cannot miss this. I got to watch Fox News or CNN. I got to watch this. I'm not going to miss it. Please don't let me miss this. Hallelujah. Don't let me miss this next election because Jesus showed me Father God intervening. When I saw Father God in, Oh, what an exciting moment this was for me. What an exciting moment. Father God, love his children. He has said enough is enough. That's it. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the hand of Father God. Hallelujah. He is so awesome. He loves his people. This is a nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. It was him who raised General George Washington, brothers and sisters. It was him. It was him who raised General George Washington. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. It was not man. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah 56. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah 60. Praise the Lord. Uh, 53. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who have believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is going to be revealed in the U.S. in the next election. Praise the Lord. Today, today is June 31st. Write it down. Make sure you download this word tonight into your iPhone and your computer, whatever, whatever you have it. And, and keep an eye for the next election. Keep an eye. Praise the Lord. Because it's going to come to pass. The, the 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 person they want as the president is not the one God wants, and God is going to replace this person right before their eyes, and there's nothing they can do. There is nothing they can do. I saw this happen, and I marvel. Oh God, my oh, God is so awesome. Thank. You. They already have the person they want. Pray. It don't matter if the person has corrected, has lied, has done anything. They want a person in the White House because it's so. That's not the person I want. This is the one I want. He's going to put him in there. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be awesome because it's the one God wants, and God knows everyone's heart. God knows everyone's heart. And God is saying enough is enough. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Please don't get Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Romans 13.1, let everyone be suggested to the government authority, for there is no authority except that witness of God have established. The authority exists has been established by God. Our authority, our government, has been established by God. It is God who say or decide who's going to be in office in the White House. He, he set him, he put him, and he removed them too. Praise the Lord. It is God. It is God, brothers and sisters, who decides. Psalm 75, 7, and if it is God who judges, he brings one down, he accepts another one. Praise the Lord. He brings one down, he accepts another one. God is going to bring down whoever they want, and he's going to assault someone else. Praise the Lord. It is God who's going to intervene. And put in office who he wants, brothers and sisters. And I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see who God is going to put in office. Thank you, Lord. God is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is so awesome. Hallelujah. First Samuel 2, 7 and 8. The Lord makes it poor. He makes it rich. He brings law and he lifts it up. It is the Lord who does that. Who does that, says Samuel. King, hallelujah. Ah. Uh, Praise you, Lord, Prophet Samuel, Judge Samuel, too. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Joel 30, 34, 24 to 29, he shall break in pieces, mighty men without number, and save others. Thank you, Lord. He'll save others. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. They want their people, they want their, their 
run in the White House to continue the evil. God says, no, this is one I want. He's going to put someone there who's going to tell them the truth. Someone who's going to tell the people the truth. Not if someone who's going to tell keep lying to the people. The economy is falling, and they want to keep telling people it's fine. Brothers and sisters, they're cutting full stamps in Massachusetts by thousands, in North Carolina by thousands, and many other states. Let me see. My wife sent me an email. Praise the Lord. Send my phone. I don't know if you want to mess with my phone now. Thank you, Lord. Praise uh, Brothers and sisters. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me see if I can get to this. Praise the Lord. Aware, brothers and sisters, in, in the state of the U.S., where they're cutting hundreds of thousands of family food stamps, Massachusetts is making them work for the food stamp in its limited food stamp, brothers and sisters. Assistance from the government is being cut off, and the government is now telling people that this economy is falling, and it's falling fast. They're not telling people the truth. They keep lying to people. They keep, they keep telling people, and sadly, many are believing the story. Things that are not true. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God says to, through Moses in Deuteronomy 5.15, Remember thou that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. It was the Lord with mighty hand, brothers and sisters, who delivered Israel out of, out of Egypt. And the Lord thy God brought thee out of the hands by a mighty hand and stretched out arms. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to observe the Sabbath day. Thank you, Lord. In other words, we are to commit ourselves to God. We are to commit our life to God. It is God who is running this universe. Jesus said that the Father has given him all power in heaven and on earth. All power. Thank you, Jesus. It's not the government. It's not men. It is Jesus Christ who has all power in heaven and earth. And as the, the, the bride of Jesus cry out, as the people in America cry out to God to get a hold of this government, to pull it up as we want, as they cry out for mercy, God has said, all right, I'm going to put in there the one I want that, be better, that America will be better off with. Thank you, Jesus. The bride of Christ is still on earth. The rapture has not happened yet. It will happen soon. It has not happened yet. The bride can still cry. The righteous, the righteous is the one being cleansed with the blood of Jesus through repentance. Those that are repenting, those that are crying out to God, God is hearing the prayer, and God is answering this prayer. As I saw the morning, this morning in heaven, God answering people's prayer. Some were doing short prayer, some other were doing long prayer. But God can hear all the prayer clear from this throne. And I saw when he was answering prayer. He said, I answer your prayer. Oh, that was so awesome to, to hear from the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. His mercy endure forever. Deuteronomy 9.26. And I pray unto the Lord, says Moses, and said, O Lord God, destroy now thy people and thy inheritance. Which thou hast redeemed through the greatness, through thy greatness, whom thou hast brought out of Egypt 
by a mighty hand. Thank you, Jesus. Our mighty hand of God never failed. It never failed. I saw when the mighty hand of God came from, from, from heaven and went into the White House, and he pulled it off of whoever he wanted. It is God who's going to establish the next president and the, and the next election of the United States. This election, it will be God who will establish the man that he wants in the White House, the next president. That was shown to me by Jesus Christ. I saw the hand of God doing this because the people in America have cried out to God, cry out to our Father in heaven, to enter being, to do something. And Father God, hallelujah, Father God is going to do something. Praise you, Lord. All these people, hallelujah, in the White House now is not going to get away with what they have done and what they think they've got planned for the next president. Because they already have someone who they want to set in office as a commander-in-chief. But God, God, Father God, he's going to come down, and he's going to set in there who he wants. And no one can stop it. No one can stop him. Praise you. I, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for what God is going to do in the next election. I want to see it on television. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 11.2. Consider this day. For I speak which I neither know nor seen, the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you have seen the stretched out arm of the Lord, when you have seen the mighty hand of the Lord, you know that God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you know that God doesn't fail you. And when he stretched out his hand to do something, He's going to do it. He's going to do it. People have been praying for too long. For eight years, America has been suffering. Praise the Lord, but not no more. God has decided to change it. Praise you, Lord. Eight years of suffering. Deuteronomy 32, 39. You know, back in the nine. praise you, Lord. When brother, uh, back in two, in two before the second turn of this man in the White House, if we can call it a man, Brother Larry told people that he will be a, he will be an officer for a second time. And a lot of people said, no, he won't, because we're not going to vote for him. He will not be an officer for a second time. And finally, God has given Brother Larry a letter which he sent to a lot of listeners of the Lord Tower. If someone who has this letter still on their computer, can find it. Please send it back to me. Mine is one of the high I have. Praise the Lord. And I don't know which. And I have a lot of information. If you can find this letter, brothers and sisters, please, brothers and sisters, email me this letter. Brother Larry sent this for a lot of people. I know I have a copy somewhere, too. Praise the Lord. From back from 2012, early 2012, where Father God showed him that Obama will be enough for two turns, then he will go to the U.N. and then go to Europe from there. But God was going to put someone in office after that. Thank you, Lord. Someone of Father God. And um, when Jesus showed me this, I, it was incredible. What a mighty confirmation this was. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for his, for his mercy. Deuteronomy 32, 39. Behold now, for I am he, and there's no God with me. I kill, and I give life, says the Lord. I wound, and I make whole. Neither is any that can deliver out of my hand. Oh, man, that is a powerful word. The Lord speaking there, brothers and sisters. He killed, 
He's curing his kid life. No one else. It is him only. Thank you, Lord. It is him. He's in control, brothers and sisters. He killed he gives life. No one can stop him. Absolutely no one. Joshua 4.24. That all the people of the world may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that ye may fear the Lord. A lot of people, hallelujah, need, sometimes need to see the hand of the Lord to fear the Lord. And they will. They will. Praise you, Lord. But this suffering is going to end. This, this punishment of the wicked one in, in office is going to be out. The Lord's going to put someone there. Praise the Lord. The Lord's going to take his children home. Praise the Lord. But God mercy will be back on, this, on the land again. And that's what the people had asked God. And he's answering their prayer. That they may feel the Lord your God continuously, says in the Bible. Praise the Lord. First King 8.15. And he said, Bless the Lord God of Israel. Speak with his mouth unto David, my father, and have with his hand fulfilled Fulfill his say, saying, everything he said to David, according to Solomon, God fulfilled each of those words, brothers and sisters. He fulfilled each of those words. This word that I'm giving you tonight, God is going to fulfill it. God is going to fulfill his word. He decided to show me, to give me what he did, or what he's going to do. And he's going to fulfill it, brothers and sisters, in the eyes of everyone. So they will know that the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Our God is awesome. Second Chronicles 30, 12. And the hand of God was on Judah, so that he gave them one heart to, the, to do the commandment of the king and the ruler according to the, to the word of the Lord. The hand of God can be on your life for judgment, but it also can be on your life for blessing. It can be on your life for you to keep a commandment. Isn't that awesome that you can have the hand of God in your life to keep his commitment. Pray. I, I want that. I want the hand of the Lord for me to keep his commitment. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Job twenty-seven, eleven. I will teach you what is the hand of God, said Job. And I will not conceal that which is but the Almighty. So the, what is in the hand of God is a blessing. It can be a judgment, but it also can be a blessing. And, and, and Joel said to his people, his generation, I will teach you what is in the hand of God. We need to learn what is in the hand of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, what is so awesome. Psalm 147 says, Let the high act of God be in, the, in their mouth, in the two-edged sword, in the other hand. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How David is so awesome. Shalom, dear sister. That, that David is so awesome. Hallelujah. Uh, Ecclesiastes 2.24. There is no profit to men, but he eat and drink in the light of his soul with the profit of his labor. I saw also this. That is what of the hand of God. Even to eat or to enjoy what you have is also out of the hand of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. God promised that he's going to get us out of here. He will, sister. Trust the Lord. Trust his word. Trust his promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Ecclesiastes 5.5. Suffer not thy mouth to make thy flesh to sin, 
neither day before the angel that is that, that is in ignorance. Wherefore, God should be angry by the voice and destroy the work of thy hand. So be careful what you say. Hallelujah. You want the hand of God to be in your life for blessing. Isaiah 37, 20. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, save thou us out of, out of his hand, that all the kingdom of the earth may know that the Lord are only the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord God, mighty hand. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help. I will sustain thee with the right hand of my justice. Oh, man. That hand has wrath in it, but it also has justice in it. Thank you, Lord. To do what is right. The hand of God can be in a life to do what is right. To sustain that with the right hand, too. To sustain us, to strengthen us. To help us. That's the prophet I say. Oh, that must have been such an awesome Bible study, I say. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I said 51, 22. That say the Lord God, even the God that pleaded the causes of his people, behold, I have taken out of thy hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of my wrath. Thou should drink, drink it no more. I said 52, 3. Thou should also be, be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, in the royal them in the hand of thy God. God yeah. Thank you, Lord. God can make us to be a blessing. Hallelujah. God can make us to be a blessing, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. To, to anyone else, his hand can be in our life to make us to be a blessing. For Father God has heard the prayer of his people. Jesus Christ has been interceding for his people in America. Although he is for everyone around the world, too, who cry out to him and repent of their sins. And God is going to put his hand on the next election. The man he won in office. Not the one Obama and them won, but the one he won. They already got someone who they want. They already want someone who they want to put in office. Oh, but Father God says, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's the one he, God wants that is going to be in office, brothers and sisters. It's the one Father God wants. He just showed me. I saw Father God him grabbing this man and placing him into office in the next election. Praise you, Lord. It will be the hand of God who will, who will make this come to pass, and you give glory to God when you see it happen. Give glory to God or glory to him, because that's been the prayer of God's people that have made Father God move on the behalf of, of the church in America. Those have been crying day and night before God, praying to God to intervene, to correct this government, to intervene in the next election. Has been people crying out to God for God to help America, for God to bless America. And Father God has heard the prayer of his people in America. He's going to answer them. Of course he's going to answer them. I heard this morning when Jesus was answering people praying the throne of God. Oh, what a glory in that throne. Hallelujah. As he said, I answer your prayers, I heard Jesus said. Oh, man, that was so precious. So precious, answering people's prayer, coming out from every, everywhere on the earth, people from America, praying to God. And this prayer was going to the throne like lightning, clearly. Clear you can hear this prayer in the throne. My goodness, that God is mighty, and he can do all things, can make all things possible. 
because all things are possible with God, brothers and sisters. Thou not your God. Thou not your Savior, your Lord Almighty, who is at the right hand of Father God. He loves us. He interceded for us day and night. He interceded for his bride. He interceded for his people day and night, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. He does justice before his people. His mighty hand of justice coming over America in the next election. And he's going to praise the man he wants in office. Not the one they want, but the one for the ones. Which America will be better off for everything God wants for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, what a great God we serve, brothers and sisters. My goodness, our God is good. And his love endures forever. His mighty hand will be shown in this next election, brothers and sisters. People are going to see mighty God's hand in the next election. Why? Because people have been praying. People have been crying out to God. Thank you, Lord. And God has said enough. Enough. People have been suffering. People have been going through so much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But they've been crying out to God. They've been crying out to the Creator. And God has heard their prayer. God has heard their cry. Thank you, Jesus. He has heard their cry from the throne. And he had the Hallelujah. He has said he's going to answer their prayer. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to answer their prayer according to the cry, according to his great mercy. He's going to answer people. He's going to give them according to his great mercy that endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. What a mighty God we serve. What a great God we serve, brothers and sisters. He is such a great God. He is such an awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. The righteous will cry out to him, and God will hear them. Thank you, Jesus. Then he will answer them. Praise you, Lord, because he loves them. He loves them. It was him that chose us. Chose us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It was him that chose us before we chose him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. James says in 3.17, even so the faith, if I have no work, it is dead in itself. Praise you, Lord. The prayer that was going on by faith. But so may my faith. Thou hast, thou hast faith, and I have work. Show me thy work out of thy Show me thy faith out of thy work. And I will show thee my faith by my work, says James. Thank you, Lord. Thou believe that hallelujah, there is one God to well. The devil also believeth and trembles. Thank you, Lord. But with thou understand, O thou obey man, the faith which is without work is dead. Hallelujah. Was not Abraham our father justified through work when he offered Isaac his, his son up on the altar? See that thou now that faith brought with his works, and through the work was the faith made perfect, or even our faith can be made perfect, brothers and sisters. A lot of people don't believe that. Our faith, brothers and sisters, can be made perfect by the things we do by faith. The things we do by faith can make our faith stronger, and our faith can become perfect. I love the work of God. Thank you, Lord, the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 23, James 2, 3, 23. 
the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. That Abraham believed God so much. His faith was so founded in God. Such a great foundation of God that God called him his friend. Why? Because, man, this man didn't see anything, and he believed. God said, he's my friend. This is my friend. This, this guy, this, 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 this son of mine, he believes. He's my friend. He's my friend. I'm going to call him my friend because he believes. Oh, God is so awesome. Thank you, Lord. God called him his friend because he believes. He believed. He believed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 24. You see, then how the, how the, the work of man is justified. And not a faith only. Thank you, Lord. Like what also was not Rehab, Rehab, the heart is justified through works. When she received a messenger and sent him out another way, she received a mess, the messenger that Joshua sent to spy the land. Praise the Lord. And knowing that they could be killed, she, she went and moved, knowing that they had a greater God than she did. And the third God was so powerful, people can destroy the, the whole town, the whole country. To believe that the God they were fearing, the God they were serving, Rahab believed that God could destroy the whole country. So she said, oh, no way, I got to help this man. Pray, I got to help him. Praise the Lord, because I'm going to be dead too. <laughs> I'm going to be dead too. Praise the Lord. So she believed. She fear, she fear God. Thank you, Lord. And God have mercy on her soul. God have mercy. For as the body without spirit is dead, even so faith without work is dead. That, hallelujah, cannot be disputed. Brothers and sisters, that is so true. Faith is a foundation where you can I always, hallelujah, go to, come to God by faith. Praise you, Lord. And believe God. This morning, as I, became, as I came to the Lord in prayer, my prayer time early in the morning, I began, brothers and sisters, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, I began to repent my unbelief and my doubt. You see, when God made us in the garden, we didn't have the trouble with, we didn't have no problem with doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief, Adam and Eve have no problem with. They have the blessing of just believing God's faith. They have the blessing of just believing my faith. The devil cannot hinder them unless he had an open door to their life. Cannot hinder their faith. You see why we need to repent all, all sin, even in our sleep? Can leave an open door to the devil to hinder our walk with God. Then come and plant a doubt and unbelief in our life. And a lot of people, the devil have planted great tree of doubt and unbelief, and they, have, they don't even notice. The tree's already given out fruit. Brothers and sisters, all kinds of fruit in their life are down and believing. They don't even know this. Rebuke that tree. I've got to jank out those trees from the root out out of your life. Thank you, Lord, so you will have no doubt and no unbelief in your life. Walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Repent down and believe. And watch God and pray. And watch God work in your life and ask Him. To increase your faith. What is faith? Now faith is the ground of things which are hoped for. Which are hoped for. And the evidence of things which are not seen. 
Thank you, Lord. The evidence of things are not seen. In other words, they are real. The things that are not seen are real. Have a foundation in God because God is a spirit. Jesus is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. Although Jesus can be liberal, it's liberal in the spirit too. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God is so awesome. But the foundation of all creation is by faith and it's spiritual from the unseen. From the unseen. Praise you, Lord. From the unseen, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. God created everything that we see. So you see that faith is more, more powerful than everything we can see. Why does God want us to work by the thing we don't see? By faith. Thank you, Lord. Why the Father God, why did Jesus Christ wants us to walk by faith by the things we don't see? Because the things that we don't see, out of the things we don't see, all the things that we see were created out of. Can you see that? Oh, I thank you, Lord. I hope God is helping you to understand the word. Out of the things we don't see, with everything that we see, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Out of the things we see, God created everything. Praise the Lord. God created all the things we see, all the things we believe, all the things we touch. Praise the Lord. So if someone were out to tell you that everything that you see is not real, would you believe them? I ask you this question today. I ask you this question tonight. Praise the Lord. If everything you see Someone will tell you that it's not real. Praise your Lord. Will you believe them? Praise your Lord. You will have a tough time believing it if you're not walking by faith. This is why we need to walk by faith. Then believing that God is the Spirit, you will have no trouble, brothers and sisters. You will have no trouble believing it. Praise your Lord. Because God is the Spirit, and it was God that spoke the word and made the earth, made the heaven and the earth. It was God who spoke the word, not seeing word, and made the heaven and the earth. But how do we know the word unless it was written on the paper? For you and I to see. Praise you, Lord. But you see, because we see the word, we believe. This is, this is one of the problems people have. They have to read the Bible to believe. Say was first in the word. The word spoken out of faith. Oh, this is going to have a lot of people thinking now. Hallelujah. The word was spoken out of faith. So faith was first. So how is it that you need to see to believe? Oh, we walk now we walk by faith, not by sight. The Bible says. God is teaching us to practice faith in our life every day. Live by faith, speak by faith, claim it by faith, pray by faith, seek it by faith, believe that you're going to receive it by faith. Because God is going to bring it to pass in our life. He is going to make it happen. Because all things are possible with God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God is so awesome. Thank you, Lord. Verse 2, 11, 2. For by, by it, the ancients were all reported of. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Again, Hebrew 11, 2. Hallelujah. I'm going to post it there. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God is so awesome. He is so great. He, hallelujah. He is such a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
for by for, thank you, Lord. I, our, our, our angels were all reported up. See, all the angels of God, angels of God were all reported up. These, these were very old. These angels are very old. And they also walk by faith. God created them. And they all work by faith. They was reported that they all work by faith. Hallelujah. This, this is how their, their life was when they were made, when they lived for God. These ancients. Hallelujah. They, they, they went about by faith. They went about their life by faith. They lived by faith. Everything they did was by faith. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 3. Through faith we understand that the world was ordained by the word of God, so that the things which we see are not made of the things which did appear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Faith is so powerful. Faith is so powerful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Through faith, we understand that the world was ordained. Everything that in this world, I mean, world galaxy, in, the, in our galaxy, everything was ordained. Where the moon is, where the sun is, God ordained them to be there. And all those scientists are saying that the sun is dying, it is not true. So that's, this is why in the scientific community, there are so much disagreement, brothers and sisters. Because some science disregard the theory that the sun is dying. Sun is very old. It's billions of years old, according to them. The sun, our galaxy, is billions of years old. And it has been all this time. All this time, the sun, hallelujah, has been putting out light, billions of billions and trillions, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Without failing one day, see, if the sun had broken down one day, I would believe what they're saying. If they can prove to me that 10,000 years ago, the sun stopped giving out the light, that the sun had a malfunction, that something broke inside the sun, not to give out the light. They said it's a huge planet star. It's a huge star with billions of gas, or trillions of gas, like nuclear weapons always going up, going up inside the sun, they say. But no science can prove to me sun has ever malfunctioned or that I ever ran out of gas. <laughs> I can prove to you that main creation, like the car, runs out of gas. But they cannot prove to me that God creation kind of ran out of gas. <laughs> Let's compare. Let's make the comparison. Let's see. God creation doesn't run out of gas. But man creation, cars, you have to always be putting gas. I, I have to go to the gas pump at least once or twice a month. Brothers and sisters, it runs out of gas. The sun doesn't run out of gas. The sun is always putting out its power without any problem. Do you see that everything that God made is perfect? That's why when in the millennium was shown to me the cord, 
they're going to be made by angels. They never need gas. And they'll never stop running if you don't want to. And nothing happens to them. They can run for a thousand years more without any problem. Praise the Lord. And they're going to use steel to make them. You're going to see them working the steel, making the steel, and making the cars. And with the voice of a car, as they develop this car, like a 1957 Chevy, they're going to make it just like that. I want to have a 1959 or 1957 Chevy. They're going to make me a 1957 Chevy. My car will never need gas. It will never need water. And it will always run without any problem. Now, you explain that to me. With the wisdom of God, they can make this with the same steel we have today. They can make a television that will never need a wire going through it and always run. It can always project information without any problem. Now, with God, knowledge, and wisdom, nothing ever needs meaning from man. But everything that man made breaks down in, in its high meaning. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I remember when I was taken to the millennium, and I saw one of the air conditioners that was running in a multiple uh, condominium place, community. And I went into one of the condominiums. Before I went in, I looked at the air conditioner that was made by Redeeming Angel, and I'm looking inside. The cover of the conditioner was metal, just like the metal we use today, okay? Very, very fine metal. It looks like it has sand inside because the air was blowing. Looking at the inside, I'm looking at the detail. It didn't need all the electricity we need today. It was it was self-sustained, and it seems to me, but while I was looking at that, I would never need repair. And never, you never need to call an angel to come and repair. <laughs> you never need to bother anybody to call them on the phone and say, hey, this AC just broke down on me. Come and fix it. You're not going to have that problem. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Okay? That, that is a good question. Why would you need that condition on the millennium? What advice you want to have it? Why would you need a car if you want to have it? I want to have a car. If someone says to me, why do you need a car when you can fly? I want to have a car. Is that a problem to you? I want to have a car. Thank you, Lord. Whatever people want to have, they can have. That's right. I remember, I remember, praise the Lord, uh, Brother Larry asked the Lord, why do people need to eat meat in the millennium? And the Lord simply just asked him, they want to eat meat. I'm going to let them eat it. Simply. Simple. He, he, you're not going to go to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, I, I want to eat some chicken today. And the Lord is going to say, oh, you're not killing chicken in my land. The Lord is not going to say that to you. You want to eat chicken, go ahead and eat it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, people want to have stuff. Today, people have stuff that they don't need. I bet you I can go through your house and show you things in your house that you don't need. I can show you that you don't need that. Why do you have it? You're going to look at me and say, I want to have it. I want to have it, Brother Elvis. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's why people can have it. They want to have sport, they're going to have sport. Praise you, Lord. Whatever they want to have, God is going to allow them. Praise you, Lord. The only thing I saw that was illegal that we're making was alcohol. People wanted to drink alcohol. 
and they were making it illegal, and they got arrested. Praise God. Jesus is going to be the law. Jesus is going to be the law, brothers and sisters. There are things people are going to want to have that God is not going to allow them to have it. But there are other things they want to have that God will them will allow them to have it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But faith, brothers and sisters, is so powerful. When you get into faith, careful, you ask the Lord to show you. You're going to see things there. Look what it says in, in uh, Hebrew 11.3. After it says that uh, faith, what well, we understand that the world was made by the word of God, so that the things which we see, the things we see, says, says uh, the writer of the Hebrew, are not made of things which did appear. Thank you, Lord. So, it's not for you. In another word, it is not for us to have faith on the things we see. Because none of the things we see made anything that appears to be. It's what the Word is teaching us. Are not made of the things which appear. It's the Lord's. They did, no one had made the things that appear. God did. So they were made by faith through God. It was God that made them. It made them for men to enjoy them. Get made them to give it to men. Eternal life is a gift from God. God wanted to plant it in the garden. They could eat of the tree, hallelujah, of good and evil, or of the tree of life. Brothers and sisters, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. They could eat it out of the tree of life. But you see that what the devil interfered, the devil interfering in the garden, did not let men think about enjoying the tree of life. Or men did not took the time to ask the Lord to eat out of the tree of life. Twelve fruit, one fruit per month. Hallelujah. So, thank you, Lord. They could eat out of the tree of life. Praise you, Lord, and live forever. But after they sinned, God said, nah, no, I'm not going to let them. See, Adam did not make it to one day, another 1,000 years. But Jesus Christ, and his love and grace and mercy is given us to live 1,000 years to reign with him on earth for 1,000 years. Brothers and sisters, the millennium. Thank you, Lord. We are going to enjoy that 1,000 years with Christ, brothers and sisters, because of his love and mercy. Hallelujah. After the millennium, brother, no, after the millennium, and then comes the, the white throne judgment. Praise the Lord. Those that are going to eternity are going to eternity. And those that are going to the lake of fire, hallelujah, going to the lake of fire, the white throne judgment. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a great sacrifice and king, by which he obtained witness of he was righteous. God testified of his gift, by which he also, being there, yet speaketh us. We have one. We have this, I have one question in a Bible study. Who able, which sacrifice was right to, to give unto God? Who taught him? Which sacrifice did you offer unto God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Who taught able? What offer or what sacrifice did you offer unto God? Because they did not have a manual of, the, of what type of offering or how to go about the offering. God gave Moses, through Moses to the Jewish people, 
the teaching of the sacrifice, how they should make sacrifice. Adam never made a sacrifice. Brothers and sisters. Adam never made a sacrifice. He didn't have to. Because the Lord was the sacrifice. He was already there. Thank you, Lord. The Lord was the sacrifice. He was already there. It was God. It was God that taught him. You see, because we have to seek God about everything. Brothers and sisters. Remember, remember what the Lord said to Jeremiah. When Jeremiah was in prison, and he didn't know how to get out of prison. And God said to Jeremiah 33, he called unto me, and I will show you, I will show you things that you don't, uh, uh, hear and things that you not know of, Jeremiah. Jeremiah has no idea how to get himself out of there. And God said to call unto him. That's what everyone needs to do. That's why we read about the, the, the sacrifice that Abel offered unto God. Hallelujah. That the sacrifice was better than King because he was obedient. He was already walking with God. Walking with God. Abel was walking with God. Brothers and sisters, that was the difference. You walk with God, you know you know what to do because the Lord will teach you what to do. That was the difference between Abel and Cain. Cain offered whatever he, whatever. But Abel knew exactly what would please God. Praise the Lord. Abel was a type of Jesus. Jesus knows exactly what pleases God. Jesus knew exactly what pleases God. This is why when John the Baptist tried to stop Jesus from baptizing him, Jesus said, let all justice be fulfilled. Don't stop this from happening. Because Jesus knew exactly that this is what the Father wanted, brothers and sisters, for him to be baptized in the river Jordan. So Jesus was always seeking to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father I seek to do, he said. He was always seeking to please God. He's always walking in obedience to God because he was in relationship with God. That's how Abel knew what sacrifice will be pleasing unto God. Because Abel was in communion, which means communication with God, daily communication with God. And he knew exactly, and if he didn't know it, no problem, Lord, what should I He was. So he would pray. He would ask God and say, God, you know, Lord, uh, what do you want me to offer? So, Thank you, Lord. And the Lord would have revealed to him or tell him, my son, if you offer this, will be pleasing unto me. Okay, Lord, that I will do. That I will do. Thank you, Lord. Then I God told Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they will come to this mountain, worship me, and make offering unto me. See, it's God a leader. It's God that teaches us, brothers and sisters. It is God, our teacher, our rabbi. That's what he wants to teach us. For us to ask him, for us to come to him, he can reveal to us, he can teach us the things that are pleasing to him. And then we're not struggling. The reason we struggle so much is because we're trying to figure out in our own life what is pleasing unto God. In our own walk, well, I know if I do this, I'm going to please God. But have you asked God that this word says? See, you want to know what is pleasing unto God? Go into his word. Look at the life of Jesus. What did Jesus do? 
And there are things in our lives that are not in the Bible. I'm going to repeat this again. Listen careful. There are things that goes on in our lives today that are not written in the Bible. And specifically, brothers and sisters, specifically. Because everything in this world, Jesus told me, is in his word. Nothing if you cannot see them. Well, you need to pray and ask the Lord to show them, to show them to you. You say, Lord, I'm going through this in my life. Lord, reveal to me in your word where I can find the solution to this problem. I'm going to share something that is going to blow your mind quickly, quickly, quickly. The Jewish people knows how to make money and how to become millionaire and billionaire. How do they know it? It's in the word of God, specifically how to. Can everybody find it, Brother Elvis? No. Because you have, you really have to commit your life to it, to God's word. And the Lord can show it to you. The Lord can show it to you. There are things in the word of God. This rabbi, there's a couple of rabbis or more in Israel. They're, all they do is they're locked up in a basement, in a scientific basement in Israel. And all they, do is, all they do is read the Bible. They don't touch any material, and they don't come. They don't go out to the population either. Spend all their life in the science basement. And all they do is read the Bible, and God shows them in the Word new weapons, new sensor, new this, new that. And they tell the engineer, and the engineer takes the Word that they write down, what they get out of the Bible, and they go and make the weapon out of it. Iran and all these countries, they want that intelligence. They don't have that because only God can show it to you. I asked the Lord about these wisdom that these rabbis have, and the Lord confirmed it to me and said, yes, I am the one that shows it to them, he says to me. And he was laughing about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord. I remember that time when the Lord confirmed that to me. I, I kept asking the Lord. I wanted to know for months if that was from the Lord, because I knew it has to be the Lord. He said, yes, that is I. And it's in my words. You know it's in God's words. But see, it's for the purpose that they pray for and they ask for. They ask so Israel will be protected from the enemy. And God gives the wisdom, the knowledge, and revelation for them to use it for the protection of the Jewish people. There is so much, so much, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's so much. God raised America. God raised America to protect the Jewish people. God raised America to bless America through Israel. Israel is God's blessing to America, but not just to America. Israel is God's blessing to the world, brothers and sisters. The president we have has been against Israel for a long time. But God is going to put a man in office who will not be against the Jewish people. Like this man is, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God is going to answer his bride in America who's still on earth, their prayer, and put the one he won in office in the next election. If you haven't heard the, the beginning of this program, but God, what Jesus revealed me, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. God gave the world Israel. And Netanyahu was talking about that the other day in his speech. God gave the world Israel. 
and all many nations that have rejected Israel have not prospered. Those that have hold on to the hand of Israel and have helped Israel to go through the struggles and everything they have gone through have been blessed. And one of them is America. America has been blessed because they have blessed the Jewish people. And as long as they continue to do that, America will be blessed, will be a blessed nation. Yes, this economy is not doing good, but God can turn it around any day, brothers and sisters. God can turn it can afford. I'm not lying to you. Jesus has shown this to me. It can afford. Turn anything around. I remember what I said to, to the Lord when he told me judgment was coming to America. If people repent, Lord, can this judgment be stopped? He said, yes. God can repent of the judgment he already declared. If people will repent of their sins, brothers and sisters, if people will repent and America will repent and turn back to God, God can stop this and, and continue to give America years of prosperity upon the earth and continue to make this nation powerful. Hallelujah. He will continue to make this nation powerful if this nation turns back to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Repenting is so important to God. Praise you, Lord. But God, the Lord still has his church in America. It's something that a lot of people have forgotten. There is a lot of fearing, God-fearing people in this nation. And as long as the Lord has these people here, and his spirit, is, his spirit is upon their life and their family, every time they cry out to God for justice, God is going to do them justice, brothers and sisters. Regardless of what people think or what people say, I am telling you, a lot of people know that this nation should have been destroyed a long time ago. But because people pray, hallelujah, people pray and people repentant, God has mercy on America and has continued to bless America. I remember when Jesus revealed to me, I will answer your question in a minute, when Jesus revealed to me, for about them. The stock market would have been down years ago. But the Lord Jesus kept putting billions of dollars into the stock market. I mean, he, even the federal, the Fed was, wow, like, they were reported were questioning the Fed, where did all this money come from? And they said, well, it wasn't us. It wasn't us. It just made a turn. The market just made a turn. Praise the Lord. So the Lord can keep the market running forever if he wants. He has the power. And who can stop him? Praise the Lord. And he has done this for his children. I remember when the Lord revealed this to me. It is for my children. Praise the Lord. It is not for America anymore, he revealed to me. It's for my children, he says, in America, which is a, it's a difference. With the government, and the government has turned against God, brothers and sisters, the people of America, the people in America that cry out to the Lord and serve the Lord with all their hearts and seek the Lord daily and repent their sins, those people are God's people. So for those people, Jesus has been kept the stock market running. And how, how many experts have said, oh, the stock market's going to fall? Back in 2008, 2009, Glenn Beck said, oh, the stock market cannot go on after this year. I have spoken with all kinds of experts around the United States, and they told me there is no way the market can, can keep going after 2009, he said, 2008, 
2009, and then the Lord spoke to me. I am the one that keeps the stock market running, going. And I kind of saw his hand in the spell, whoop, to the stock market. And, and the next day, the media and the federal and everyone, what happened? What is it turning around for? <laughs> oh, our God is gone. That our God is God. He can do all things. And he says, for my children, my children are still here. Can you can you imagine? The Lord says, my children are still here. He has not taken us home. So what do you think? He's going to let us stop for hunger? He's going to let us go hungry when that's not his promise to us? That's not his promise to us. We can go to the Lord and pray and say, Lord, not what you promised me. Lord, what do you mean the stock market falling, Lord? So that means I'm not going to be able to buy milk for my children, Lord? That's not what you promised me. The Lord is going to say, yes, my son, you're right. That's not what I promised you. So he keeps the stock market running. Because i got to be able to buy milk for my children. Because the Lord promised that to me. That if I seek him, if I serve him, hallelujah, he will keep everything I need going. Praise the Lord. And he has. He has not failed me. He has not failed his children. Thank you, Lord. Ken, the question is, hallelujah, will uh, the people of America, or will America come back to God? According to what I saw Father God do, the hand of God, putting in the next election, the men he wanted there, I believe it's the mercy of God being extended to America, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. That's what I saw. The, the hand of God uh, going to the White House and putting there the man he wanted. They already had this woman they want, Hillary Clinton. Hallelujah. They want Hillary Clinton in office. They know that what she said was not right. Do they care? Do they care? They said they, they, she got 50% of the vote. They, she got 50% of the vote. And, and, and Obama then is supporting her. And they want to put her into office, no matter what. They don't care. She lies. She, she, she put every, all the soldiers in jeopardy. She put out all this information that she wasn't supposed to put in a public email with this classified information. She put, she put the, the, the life of other people in danger overseas. Does she care for that? I haven't done such a thing this, this way. The way she did. And she knew what she was doing. She had the brain to think about it. Praise you, Lord, but she didn't care. And you think Father God is going to step for her to go into office? Sit back and watch her be put into office? <laughs> Not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. Uh-uh. He's going to put the men he wanted in office, and that's it. I saw his hand grabbing this man and put him in there. You're the one I wanted in, and that's it. Why he's doing it? Because the bride of Christ in America. People crying out to God. People praying to God every day, repenting the sins. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. So I cannot wait. I cannot miss the next election. I hope I'm still alive. Everything is fine in my life. I don't care sick that day that I cannot watch television. Praise you, Lord. Because I need to watch the next election. I need to stay up and watch what Father God is going to put it to office. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to be jumping in my bed up and down as I see. How they got put the one he won into office, and not the one they won, and watch their face, watch them trying to do whatever they can, but they're not going to be able to, to try to put the one they won. Good luck. <laughs> because it'll be fucking hard. 
putting the one he wanted into office, brothers and sisters. Praise you, Lord. And you can download this message, put it on your iPhone, on your computer, and remember it. The Lord, hallelujah. I, I think so. I think we'll be here, yes. Yes, we'll be here. Definitely we'll be here. I cannot miss this. Well, I got to watch it from heaven, sister. If, 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 if a rapture happened and we're not here, I got to watch it from heaven. I cannot miss this because it will be mighty hand of mighty God doing this. And I cannot. I saw it and I got very excited. And I'm so excited about this. So you're telling me we're going to be raptured. It's going to make me sad a little bit now. You're going to make me sad. Because in heaven, I'm going to have to ask the Lord to let me watch this. And the Lord may say, no, you, the business I earned is not concerned to you now, my son. I can hear the Lord already. The business going on earth, my son, is no business to you. Let it go. Let it go. You got so much to do up here. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. I'm hoping that I'm here. I'm hoping that the righteous have not gone yet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Because I, I don't want to miss the hand of Father God. This, this is not something you see every day. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I want to go to heaven, but how can I miss this now? Praise the Lord. We're almost in February anyway. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. You want the rapture more than the election. Amen. That is the truth. Praise the Lord. We do. We want to go home, brothers and sisters. Yes, we want to go home. <laughs> the Lord must be looking at me from the throne. What is he talking about? He wants to watch. Well, praise the Lord. You know, you don't get to see a lot of things. And then the Lord showed me his hand, put in the one he wants. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But you know what? Also, when the Lord took me last week into the into the tribulation, I also knew there was someone in the White House that was that it was not the one they want to put in the White House. It's the one that God is going to put in the White House. Thank you, Lord. And I don't want to say no name because I was not allowed to see this man. As far as I know, I believe it is a man because I saw the pen. I saw the pen of this person. I was not allowed to see his face, like focus on his face directly. You know, praise the Lord. I know he's a white man. That's all I can see. He was a white man. The Lord did not allow me to focus. It might be. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be right to before that. He don't want me to see. It. Praise the Lord. You know, after we get ratchet, it's not going to be our business. So I know the Lord's going to tell me that. It's not going to be your business. Why do you want to see this? You're up here. Enjoy being up here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Because it will be the matter and the business of the earth after that. And we're going home. And, and praise the Lord. God has so much in store for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I believe with him. I really believe with him. But I'm not going to praise the Lord because God, hallelujah, God God knows, you know, the one he wanted in there. Praise the Lord. The only thing I saw was he had a pants. He looked like a man. He had a pants. I, 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 I saw his, him off, spot off. The Lord did not want me to see him. Praise the Lord. God had him in his hand. To be honest, I thought it was Trump, Donald Trump. But don't don't quote me. Don't say, oh, no, brother, we said it was Donald Trump. Don't quote me. <laughs> don't quote me on that. It looked like Trump to me, but, but I don't know. I don't know. Praise the Lord. It looked like him to me. It looked like him, but, uh, you know, the Lord knows. Hallelujah. Only the Lord knows 
God told me it's the one he wants. Uh, put in there and he showed me. Hallelujah. And this man that he's going to put in office, it's, it's, it's going to clean out uh, the White House. And you know how even Trump don't agree with Obama completely. And a lot of things he doesn't agree. Again, only God knows. And so, but there's a lot of things going on, brothers and sisters, in politics. A lot of evil, a lot of wickedness. Obama supporting abortion. Uh, in case his daughter will have an abortion, he says, supporting homosexual. This is all, all these homosexual law coming to be in almost every state now. Some states have rejected. I'm glad of that. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. All these evil that is going on in America, God is saying that's it. He had enough. He, he had enough. He had enough of this. It is because the, the bride of Christ has been praying, brothers and sisters. All glory be unto Jesus. All glory be unto the Lord. Who, but when we pray, he go to the Father and intercede for our day and night, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Praise you, God. And he's going to give America more value. So the men he's going to put in there will have more value. America will, will be, will have more value again. Praise you, Lord. I'm not sure if America will be the great nation that it was. With, um, with partial bankruptcy that is coming. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. With, with martial bankruptcy, brothers and sisters, that is coming. I hope the Lord, God will change his mind about partial bankruptcy. I saw it. It was terrible. Hallelujah. It was terrible, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, partial bankruptcy. But I know that if, if, if thousands of Christians, like this month, they have the, 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 the pro-life march in Washington, brother, D.C. I don't know how many of you watched them this month in, on television, the pro-life march. They have hundreds of thousands of people, and, and, the, and the people, and the reporter was saying, like, never before. In 2016, it was, it was a breakthrough in Washington this year. I don't know if you've seen this. Hallelujah. Hundreds of Christians from all over America show up in Washington this month for the pro-life march. And that was great. That was on television. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you. And when I saw that, I know God was up for something. Immediately in my spirit, I felt God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's up to something. But when all these youth, hallelujah, when all these youth that came, brothers and sisters, I don't even watch the channel that I put it on. If I put television, I usually watching the, the uh, Howard May, Howard May, or the Animal Channel. But sometimes with the Animal Channel, I have to be careful too. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. And so, let me tell you, I was switching to the channel, and I saw this march of pro-life for all the sites, you know, in Washington, D.C. this year. And it was, it was hundreds, hundreds of thousands of Christians like never before were supporting this, the pro-life movement, that it was time enough to stop the killing of innocent babies. And I, I was so excited, so excited, just so excited, brothers and sisters, so excited, to Lord, for this. Praise you. I lifted on, and I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. I knew in my spirit that, that praise the Lord, God was up to something that year. I believe that year God is bringing a change into America. And before the year began, before 2016 came, hallelujah, and the Lord began to show me what the things that, that are coming soon. And I immediately knew in my spirit, 
Although he showed me partial bankruptcy and martial law, two things the Lord showed me. Hallelujah. Partial bankruptcy and martial law. Before we get to be battle, revival. Revival? Before we get to revival, things are going to get real bad. I am telling you, before it gets better, it's going to get really bad. Praise the Lord. So before revival comes, then we will have to go through, we will have to go through bankruptcy and martial law in America. Then comes revival. I have said this even in the, in the video that I made on YouTube, because that's the way the Lord showed them to me. Thank you, Lord. So I, I'm not even thinking of revival for now. I, I share what the Lord showed me about revival, but I have not even, I have not even thinking about it, because it's first, we got to see bankruptcy, partial bankruptcy, the Lord showed me, and then martial law. Now, God can remove these things from coming. Someone gave me a word so powerful, and the Lord is so good. Now, why is God showing me all these things? Back in 2012 and 13, when God began to show me these things, I was contacted by many pastors from New York and many other states. And this pastor, friend of mine, was telling me, Brother Elvie, you are a prophet to America. And the Lord should confirm this to our brother in heaven. I, I don't call myself a prophet. I don't. But uh, our brother asked the Lord, why is Elvie saying these things, these prophecies? And Jesus told him in heaven, because I have raised Elvie to give my word to my people in America, in that land, he says, of America. And when our brother came to heaven, he told me the word Jesus gave him, that I'm out to give God's word to the people of America. I'm just a servant of the Lord. That's all I say. Jesus called me his servant. He doesn't call me a prophet. He called me his servant. That's all I am, brothers, a servant of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the God. But yes, this man of God was telling me, and believe me, he has been confirmed to me by the Father, this, this holy man of God. Pray, I don't call many people holy, but everyone who repents of their sin and are washed by the blood of Jesus is holy. That's all I believe. And brothers and sisters, he says to me, why is God showing you these things, Brother Elvis? It is for you to say it to America and for God to raise people in America to begin to repent again. Brothers and sisters, hallelujah. To repent again so God will repent of the judgment he declared and God will forgive the land. Well, let me read it for you from Second Chronicles. Oh, the Lord is so awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Second Chronicles 7, 14. Let me read it to you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This is what God wants to do every time he has to give, give a word to the people in America. If my people, this is the people of America, among whom my, whom, whom my name is called upon, the church, of the, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, do humble themselves and pray, and seek my presence, and turn from their wicked way. Then I will hear in heaven, and be merciful to the sin, and will heal the land. That's what God wants to do in America. That's why God is having me give out his word. A lot of people, when God began to give me these words back in, in 2010, 2011, they wanted God to just bring the judgment on America. May the Lord rebuke thee. How can you, how can you think of people dying, and you rejoicing because God killed them. Come on! Says in your life. Praise the Lord. 
How can you want women and children and men to die? When God can have mercy and forgive their sins. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And heal their land. Have mercy upon their soul. And how can you say, oh, uh, Brother Elvin, you said the government will bring the judgment. Thousands of people, only in Boston, went to this building to repent. Thousands from all the denominations. There were even Catholics there. People from different denominations went into that building after God had given me this word in 2012 and were repenting God for mercy. People were crying out. People, tears were coming down. People were saying, crying out to God. In, in Boston, California, in a different state, in New York City, thousand brothers to repent before God. They not God to, 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 to forgive their sins, forgive America. And God heard the prayer from heaven. I had several pastors contacted me and told me, my church, Brother Elvi, is then repenting for the word you gave from God. We know it's from God. For God to have mercy on America, that has to be the heart of every Christian in America and around the world. How can it please you for God to destroy a nation? How can it please you for God to destroy a city or state? Come on. Be now perfect like God's Father that is in heaven, Jesus said. How are we like God? God is a merciful God who doesn't please him to destroy but to save. But to have mercy. Have you mercy like your Father in heaven and be perfect like him. Have you mercy on people. Have you have prayed for life to be saved. Have you like your Father in heaven who have mercy on those innocent people that may die. Praise you, Lord. Start judging people for their actions. But judge people that God have mercy on them. Praise you, Lord. God has not called us to judge anyone. Praise you, Lord. He has not called us to condemn anyone neither. How can we sit and judge people and, and say, oh, yeah, no, let, let the judgment fall. Let the, I just want the judgment to fall. May the Lord rebuke thee, whoever you are that thinks this way. It is better for God to have mercy. Be you perfect like your Father in heaven. He have mercy on all of them. He have mercy on the nation. He have mercy on the needy. He have mercy on anyone that cries him. He have mercy on the gay, the lesbian. Heard of this, uh, this, this, this brother. I just heard uh, uh, last night of his brother who was gay, and I call him brother now. He was gay, and I, and I, would, and I went and preached to him, and I went praying over him, and he kept doing it. He kept doing it until God got hold of his heart and his life, and now his, his life has changed. But if back in, a few years back, if the judgment of God would have come down, God would have destroyed him. But now God gave him a chance to repent and come out of that gay lifestyle. There are young women who had abortion a few years back who now are repenting, brothers and sisters, for what they did, and they're not doing it no more. Dear Lord, a lot of homosexual, homosexual write to me, and they say, Brother Elby, I heard your message. God touched me through your message. I'm repenting. I'm giving my life back to God. I want to get out of this life. Let lesbian write to me. It says, God has touched me through your message. I want to get out of this lifestyle. Will you pray with me? I'm repenting. I'm repenting. Pray with me. Pray that I get out of this lifestyle, they say to me through email. Praise you, Lord. We need to be perfect like our fathers in heaven. He has mercy on the love. Have you mercy on the love? And you'll be perfect like him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Lord. Know. You know that if you if you don't have mercy, you will pray and God will not hear your prayer. A lot of people have a lot of things 
hindering their prayer. And one of them is because they don't have mercy on people. God's not going to hear their prayer. They don't forgive. Other, other one is they don't forgive others. People do all kinds of things, and they say, I, don't, I, I won't forgive you. Forget about that. Walk away from people. So God doesn't hear their prayer neither. They're repenting. God doesn't hear it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. And when people, some people have written to me over the year, they said, Brother Elby, uh, I don't know why, but I keep repenting, sister, brother. I keep repenting, and God doesn't hear my prayer. What's going on? What, why doesn't God hear my prayer, they say to me? And I, and I said there, and what the Lord brings to me is unforgiveness. And I said, I have a question for you. Uh, praise you, Lord. Are you married? Yes. Where is your husband? Praise you, Lord. Sometimes they say, oh, he, he, he moved out of the house. He's living with his parents. Praise you, Lord. How is your relationship with him? I don't talk to him. I, I don't want to see him again. Praise you, Lord. You have unforgiveness for him. Of course I do for what he did to me. Praise the Lord. And you want you want God to hear your prayer? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You want God to hear your prayer? You want God to answer your prayer? Well, you cannot even talk to the father of your children. This is the way I have spoken with some people. Some people don't like it. Because if I need to get personal, they're coming with a personal need of God in their life. I'm going to come back. I used to be a counselor. I'm going to tell the truth of the word. What the God reveals to me, I'm going to share with them. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, some people get offended. Some people keep coming for more. God begins to restore that person's life after they begin to, to forgive. And you know what happened after that? God will restore the marriage again. People will be surprised. I'm back with my husband. We were able to forgive each other after I prayed and I repented and I fasted for him. And for my unforgiveness to win, now we're back here. I'm praise the Lord. That's what the Lord wants. But it's going to take someone to tell them the truth. If you're like, well, I don't, you know, Brother Elby, I don't want to get personal because it's not my business to get in anyone's business. Well, if you are in the business of people being healed, if you are in the business of people being restored, I tell you something, you're going to have to get personal. You're going to have to get personal. I, and, and I apologize to the people sometimes. I said, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to get personal about this. You, you're going to need to forgive them. You want God to forgive you? You're going to need to forgive them. Personally, some people, I said, wow, but, you know, I tell you the truth. I'm, I'm not going to go around this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are in the business of personal relationship with the Lord. If someone comes looking for help, it's going to get personal. And I'm going to respect you as much as I can. With all my strength and all my knowledge, I'm going to respect you. But I may also may offend you by telling you the truth. That's the way it is, brothers and sisters. I, we may get personal. I may offend you by telling you the truth. And I may even apologize when someone says, you should not apologize for telling someone the truth. Hey, the Bible says that if I offend you, for me to, to, to apologize, to make it right with you. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible doesn't give me the reason why. The Bible tells me what to do, and that's what I do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, you never apologize for telling someone the truth. If I offend someone by telling the truth, and I want to apologize, I apologize. I apologize. I want to. I need to. I feel the need to. Praise the Lord, because the Bible says for me to make it right if I offend you, and I go and make it right. Praise the Lord. 
And I tell you, it's not easy because you'll get a lot of people offended. And the business that God has called me to, brothers and sisters, I have offended a lot of people by telling them the truth. But the truth will set you free. That's what it is. The truth will set you free, praise the Lord. Because why go around the problem, around the issue, and not go straight to the root of the problem? Let's go straight to the problem and let's start going around. Around the bushes, as people say. Let's start going around in circle and let's just go straight to the problem. And God can heal you. God can restore you. God can put a spirit back into your life and you can get right with God. I mean, it says, I think I don't have the Holy Spirit anymore. And when do you lose them and where do you live them? <laughs> when do you lose them and where do you live them? Where do you, because people always know what they did. And they know where exactly when is it. They might even tell you the day that it happened. Well, last year, it was back in the month of September. I went out with this guy, and we said things we were not supposed to do. And right there, I did not see him anymore. Praise the Lord. Fornication is a serious sin. Fornication is a serious sin. A lot of young people, and this goes for the elders too, being married have gone into adultery, minister. Evangelists, all kinds of people, Christian people. A lot of churches are not pre- not preaching fornication. A lot of the youth in the church are sleeping together without being married. Well, we're just getting to know each other. You're having sex with our girl, with our sister, supposedly, and you're just getting to know each other? Uh-uh. That is totally wrong. That is totally wrong. And you might lose the Holy Spirit. I'm being honest. One of the greater reasons the Lord revealed to me that the Holy Spirit leads people's life is sexual sin. A lot of people don't like this message, but I got to tell you the truth. Sexual sin. Sexual sin, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. And I, I, believe me, every time I talk about this, I begin to repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't want to offend you, Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. I, I begin to repent myself. Sexual sin are serious sins. And the devil wants to get the church in sexual sin. And there is a lot of sexual sin in the church today. But a lot of ministers want to ignore it, look the other way. Stop looking the other way and look the way God wants you to look and correct the problem in the church. Ministers need to begin to correct sexual sin in the church. Stop looking the other way. Uh, this is serious. They open the doors to the enemy. Hallelujah. Through sin. They open the door to the to the spirit of Jezebel. That is so good. They open the door to demonic forces in their life. And then they don't feel God no more. They don't feel the presence of God no more. And then they're, they're questioning why. Why? 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 Praise the Lord. If you're burning with lust, it's Paul. It's better for you to get married. Simple. Very simple. Cannot, you, you, you cannot hold yourself. Praise the Lord, give you a wife, get married, problems over. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. But I'm telling you something. Sexual sin is why the presence of God has left many people's life. And they want it back. People write to me. It makes me so sad when people write to me and say, I don't fear the Lord no more. Hallelujah. Yes, you can do that. You can ask the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord. I am telling you, many people are not feeling the presence of the Lord as they should. They should. I mean, by the mercy of the Lord, I have prayed for people that have fallen under the power of God. And so people, I never felt this before. 
But before I pray for them, the Lord revealed to me what is going on in their life. I had a minister come to me. I, I'm not pleased to say this, but someone needs to hear this. I had a minister come to me. He was full of demons. Full of demons. He was going into ministry, but he was full of demons. And the Lord let me know. The Lord gave me the sermon. The Lord let me know he was full of demons. And he was telling me how God called him into the ministry, and he was going into the ministry, and this, this, and that. Praise the Lord. I began to tell him that we cannot give to people what we don't have. And he began to listen. And God began to reveal to him, why would I, why would I, why would I say what I was saying to him? But the Lord revealed to me he was full of demons. And I said, I want to pray for you because you want to go into ministry. And I, 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 want, I want to impart blessing. I want God to use me for you to so impart blessing into your life. Praise the Lord. When we began to pray, I began to cast out legion and demon out of his life. He was surprised how hundreds of legion of demon began to come out of his life. He was feeling them going out of him, going out of him, going out of him. And I kept rebuking them. And more kept coming out of him. And more kept coming out of him. Like in 15 minutes, he felt free. He felt the power of God like he never felt it before. And he looked at me and shook my hand, gave me a hug, and said, I never felt God this way in my life. He finally felt free. Praise the Lord. And that's why the Lord brought it my way, because the Lord wanted to use him. But he had so much demon in his life. What are you going to give to people? He didn't have the power of God in him. He didn't have the presence of God in his life. He was going to the ministry. That's exactly, praise the Lord, Praise the Lord. That's exactly what the type of people we got, many of those people we got in church today. And I'm not pleased to say this, but this is true. People that are not free. I had a minister, a young man called me, an evangelist. He goes in the U.S. to over 200 churches to preach. He is cheating on his wife with another woman, and he supposedly wanted to help me so all these 200 churches will know me, and he will open the door for me so I can go preaching with him. And I said, no. After he confessed to me, he was cheating on his wife with another woman. Well, he had confessed that because he, he, he did it because he wanted me to help him. And I said, yeah, I, I, I will give you advice, yes, whatever the Lord gives me. And when I began to help him, he confessed the sin to me. Hallelujah. You know, you know what? The first thing that came to my mind, he is not supposed to be ministering for no pulpit. Unless he's repented for his adultery sin. But you know what? So the different churches keep inviting him because he's famous and they want him in his church. I'm not pleased by saying this. Some of you need to hear this. This is why when a famous preacher comes, you don't want. You pray first. You pray first. Because a lot of people like to run to hear famous preachers, famous teachers. Oh, these teachers are great. He's been teaching the word for 30, 20 years. I got to hear this guy. He. He has a lot of things to teach. No. No one has more than the Holy Spirit to teach. No one has more than Jesus Christ to teach. Him you listen to. Praise the Lord. Praise you, God. This is very important, brothers and sisters, because I feel sad when people follow preachers and teachers and this and that from different countries. Hallelujah. And they don't go to the Lord in prayer first. Praise you, Lord. 
there are people that I have shared things like this. They have gone to the Lord, and the Lord has revealed the sins of certain people, and they say, oh, man, thank you for that word, because I could have gone listen to this guy, and the Lord revealed to me. He's, he's doing this in secret. But it's so true. It is so true, praise your Lord. But it seems like some people are losing, uh, okay, praise the Lord. Praise your God. Something is dying here. I don't know if it's my cell phone or something. Praise your Lord. Hallelujah. But I'm going to go ahead and place, uh, place some audio, brothers and sisters. I want to come on tomorrow night. So I want my throat to, to praise the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. And continue to share the Lord's word, brothers and sisters, and, and advice. People need advice from the Lord. People need to hear advice. Praise your Lord. Because a lot of people are running up and down. And they are not seeking the Lord. You need to seek the Lord about anything. It is not for you and I to be running out to anyone without the Lord confronting anyone to us. The Lord knows everyone's heart and everyone's mind. Anyone, everyone's uh, intention. There are people in secret sin that should not be teaching the word, brothers and sisters. They should not be teaching the word. Praise your Lord. Praise your God. Someone that's few days on Facebook, praise your Lord. My wife is having problems with someone who has come to disrespect us or me as a minister. Praise your Lord. They has shown interest in me. And my wife put on Facebook that she stopped writing to, to my husband email with uh and the way she's writing because I'm a, I'm a married man. She should not be interested in me. Hallelujah, to be with her because I'm a married man. Praise the Lord. And my wife is right. Praise the Lord. If I'm a married man, no woman should be seeking to be with me or to marry me or whatever because I'm a married man. I have my wife. Praise the Lord. Praise the God. And a lot of people misunderstood the message of my wife because she put that message to let people know what is happening. Someone, praise the Lord. It's doing this, and it's not right, it's not correct. And I will not take part in that either. Praise the Lord. And my wife and I, praise the Lord, we, we spend most of our time together. Everything we do, we do together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When we go out with together, we go shopping with together, travel, we travel together. We, I never travel alone. Praise the Lord. And so she knows everything I do. Praise you, God. There's nothing hidden. I don't need to hide anything from her. We went to Washington together, New Jersey together. Anywhere we go, we go together. Praise the Lord. South Carolina together, Atlanta, Virginia, Georgia, Miami, I mean, Florida. Wherever we go, we go together, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. And so this other sister, supposedly sister, has shown interest in me, and she was harassing me with email. And I said to my wife, I'm not going to deal with her. You deal with her. And so my, it was my wife who was doing it, and my wife put a message on, on Facebook because she was writing on Facebook. And someone misunderstand what she was saying, praise the Lord. But I was letting my wife handle the situation because women were women. All what I'm thinking is, is someone needs the Lord or someone has been done wrong because there are churches, there are churches in America bro, that the men can have more than one wife. And I totally disagree with that. And, and when some of these people are in these churches and they come to listen to the Lord's Tower, they have a misunderstanding out of the Word of God because their pastor allows them in their churches. 
And so they think they're going to come to, to the Lord's Tower, and they can also be with me, me having my wife. And that's not so, because I don't believe, I believe the, teach, the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve, they were first one woman and one man in the garden. Marriage was established by God in the garden by one man and one woman, not one man and two women. Thomas misuses the Bible in America and around the world. These teachings go from the pulpits in different churches, and I totally disagree with those teachings. Totally. Totally disagree with that. I tell my wife, this is a reality for where these people come from these different churches and different, different teachings. And that's why we need to be merciful with people and understand people, try to understand people even more because of where they come from, Christ the Lord. But sometimes people are, 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 are very persistent on, their, on what they want or what they think is right when it's totally wrong, brothers and sisters. And we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful. There is a lot of things going on up there that we disagree with, but this is what the world is today, and this is what we are. This is what God has chosen, the time that God has chosen us to be. And so we have to deal with everything that is going on up there, brothers and sisters. It is not pleasant. It is not funny. But God has called us to deal with it. And if we have to say no, it is okay to say yes. It's so anointed as to say no. I remember our pastor saying this when we came first to North Carolina. Hallelujah. Some people have not learned to say no. But I'm going to tell you this tonight. To say yes is so anointed, the same as to say no. It's anointed too. Don't be afraid to say no to people. Praise the Lord. And don't be afraid to say yes. Praise the Lord. Some people don't like to say yes because they will be compromised maybe. Praise the Lord. Or they, they don't want to say no so they won't offend, but they don't want to say yes so they will be compromised. But yes and no are both anointed. Let your yay be yay. Jesus says, praise the Lord. It's, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Praise the Lord. That's what we need. That's how it needs to be. Praise the Lord. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting an audio, the latest prophecy for the Middle East. Hallelujah. I'm going to play it right now. Praise God. So I can come back tomorrow. So I'm going to go play, play an audio now. And then I'll, I'll play it out. Hallelujah. And I'll praise the Lord. That's for me. Shalom, my Lord. Oh. 
All right. Well, for today's prophecy update, I'm going to address some of the prophetically significant developments that took place in just the last week. Uh, sadly, though, they largely went unnoticed by virtue of the wall-to-wall -wall coverage of the presidential election, especially with the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. Um, I don't want to be dismissive of the election's importance, but my problem is, is that when it becomes so important that it eclipses everything else that is happening in the world, and there is much that is happening in the world today, and it has, uh, I believe, severe prophetic implications. What follows in no particular order are several events that took place last week and uh, that I believe have prophetic significance. We'll begin with Iran's president, Rouhani, who had a private audience with the Pope at the Vatican. Uh, this to me has enormous implications, especially in light of the Times of Israel reporting that Rouhani had asked the Pope to pray for him after private talks at the Vatican during this, his first visit to Rome. Now, why is this significant? Well, I believe this has significance because during the tribulation, the Antichrist will rule over a one-world government, a one-world economy, and perhaps even more importantly, a one-world religion. Uh, for the president of Iran to go to the Vatican, and this is a Shiite Muslim asking for prayer from the Catholic Pope. This has, I believe, far-reaching ramifications. Uh, I suppose it should come as no surprise that the now legitimized Iranian regime would flex their satanic muscles, if I can say it that way, concerning the Holocaust on the heels of Wednesday's International Holocaust Remembrance Day. The Jerusalem Post reported that Iran's supreme leader on Wednesday once again repeated provocative assertions about the Holocaust, defying the world on a day that it paused to remember the victims of the Nazi genocide in Europe. Ayatollah Ali Khamenei released a video in which he said, America assists the fake Zionist regime, and that when they say in their slogans that they are opposed to terrorism and ISIS, they are lying. Of the Holocaust, Khamenei remarked, it is not clear whether the core of this matter is a reality or not. Even if it is a reality, it is not clear how it happened. This is the ignorance that exists in today's world. We should be awake. Muslims should know that we can stand up against the ignorance. Who assists the fake Zionist regime, Khamenei says in the video? Who supports them? Who clears the road for them? Who stands behind them? And we just entered into and released billions to this Iranian regime? Suffice it to say, 
that this is exactly what we're told would happen, such that all the nations of the earth, particularly Iran, will all be gathered against Israel. We're told in Psalm 83 that there would be a cunning plan to wipe Israel off the map so that the name of Israel is remembered no more. I would submit that this is already in motion and it's gaining traction, unfortunately, more so in the United States as of late. On Monday, again, the Jerusalem Post published an article about NPR, National Public Radio's illustrative photo that wipes Israel off the map. Uh, I won't show the photo, but in an article published on NPR's website, a map of the Middle East failed to include Israel, labeling Palestine in its place. The map was an illustration accompanying the article, What Are You Afraid Of in 2016? Globetrotters Share Their Fears. The article referenced travelers' fear of Islamic radicalization and extremism in the region. This is not the first time that media purveyors have wiped Israel off the map. In a 2016 CNN Money article, Israel was dropped from a map of the Middle East depicting turmoil in the province. On the map featured in the article entitled Beyond ISIS, 2016 Scariest Geopolitical Hotspots, the name Palestina, Spanish or Portuguese for Palestine, stood in for Israel on the map. Now, I am keenly aware that I have the privilege every Sunday morning when I do these prophecy updates to stand before a well-taught uh, group of people. And I know that you know how the name Palestine came about. That in the year 135 A.D., when Israel was destroyed and captured, they named it after the arch enemy of Israel, the Philistines. And Palestine is a transliteration of Philistine, Philistia. There is actually no such thing as a Palestinian. The Philistines are extinct. In fact, before statehood in 1948, May, the Jews were called Palestinians because they were in the land of then called Palestine. It was never Palestine. And by the way, don't look in your Bibles right now. But when you get home today, go to the back of your Bible. You know where they have those Bible maps? I rip mine out with a great sanctified pleasure because it says, <laughs> it says uh, you know, that uh, time of, uh, you know, Palestine in, in Jesus' day. Excuse me? There was no Palestine in Jesus' day. It was Israel. A map of Palestine during the time of Christ. What? what? I, I'm going to get my blood pressure up if I go, go there too far. But I grew up all my life thinking and being taught that I was a Palestinian. And even when my parents sponsored all of my Arab family from the Middle East to America in the 70s and 80s, uh, they all referred to themselves as Palestinians. And it wasn't until later when I finally began to really start doing some research on it 
that I realize that, wait a minute, there's no such thing as a Palestinian. Well then, Pastor, who are these so-called Palestinians? Well, they're a melting pot of Moabites, Edomites, uh, all of the ites in these Arab groups, these people groups in the Middle East. They're a, a melting pot, and we call them the Arab people. And even Yasser Arafat, the founder of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, was not Palestinian. He was Egyptian. He was Egyptian. There's no such thing. They hijacked this so-called Palestinian cause in their efforts to wipe Israel off the map so the name Israel is remembered no more. They kind of got away with it for about 2,000 years when the name of Israel was not remembered. It was Palestine instead. And now it is Israel again, which, by the way, fulfilled what I believe to be one of the most important prophecies in all of the pages of Holy Writ, and that is the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And that took place on May 14th of 1948 by one vote in the United Nations. And I believe that started the clock ticking, and I believe it sped up in June of uh, 1967 when the Six-Day War, uh, Israel recaptured their eternal capital of Jerusalem. And Jesus said that the generation that sees the rebirth of the nation of Israel will be the generation that sees the coming of the Son of Man. And so the question is, well, how many years is a generation? And Bible scholars have been debating that for a very long time. But it is uh, very true, and I believe uh, very soon that uh, we are that generation that will see the coming of the Son of Man that's going to be in our lifetime. Now, add to this what we're told in Ezekiel 38, which is a prophecy about an alliance led by Russia and Iran to attack Israel for what many believe is their newfound natural gas and oil. On Friday, the Jerusalem Post published an analysis titled, Using Israel's Gas to cement ties. This is really interesting. What's interesting about it is that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Cypriot President Nikos, and I'm probably going to butcher his last name, Anastasidis, and Greek Prime Minister Alexis Tsipra, we've talked about him before, made history with their three-way summit forming an emerging alliance of the three eastern Mediterranean nations. I actually watched their press conference, and uh, Netanyahu said, um, as a, a son of a historian, I never, I never use this word lightly, but this is historic. And the reason it's historic, quoting the article, decades after saying that it has no natural resources, Israel is now emerging as a regional gas power in the enviable position of having to decide what exactly to do with its natural gas, more precisely, where to export it. Now think about this. In Ezekiel 38, we're told that God himself puts a hook in the mouth of this Russian and Iranian-led alliance that attacks Israel. Many believe, and I'm one of them, that that hook is the natural gas, the natural gas. 
And that's the hook in, I believe specifically, Putin's mouth. And it's happening now. And this is why Putin, who... Well, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Um, Well, let's just say this. When you um, do something to a polar bear, they will hunt you uh, to their death until your death. And this is exactly what Putin, the bear of the north, is doing exactly as the prophet Ezekiel said he would and Russia would. Now, I know there are those who say it's not Russia, it's Turkey. And I understand how they get there. But um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to put Turkey in place of Russia as Gog and Magog. Now, what's even more interesting is this Arut Sheva report from Thursday quoting a former Libyan official, Libya, by the way, is also in Ezekiel 38, who stated that the Islamic State got Gaddafi's chemical weapons. Quoting the article, the weapons that fell into the hands of ISIS were smuggled out of Libya, as the world knows. I believe that the weapons that reached Syria originated in Libya. Now, this brings to the forefront the prophecy concerning Syria, specifically Damascus in Isaiah 17, as well as Jeremiah 49. Uh, Damascus will not be inhabited by people, and it would stand a reason that we are seeing this now come to pass right before our very eyes. Last week, I mentioned that in the 10 years since we've been doing these prophecy updates, prophecies like Zechariah 12 concerning Jerusalem Isaiah 17 concerning Syria and Ezekiel 38 concerning Russia and Iran were on the verge of being fulfilled. The reason I'm mentioning it again this week is that now it seems with every passing week, everything moves faster and closer to the fulfillment of these prophecies. Uh, It used to be many years ago when we were doing these prophecy updates that it was maybe a month or two where you would see some real movement. And now it seems like it's weekly and even in some ways daily. Simply put, God's prophetic plan is perfectly on schedule. And we're witnessing this as the world waxes more and more evil, not just by the week, but I believe now by the day. Speaking of evil, doubtless you heard about this grand jury decision to indict not Planned Parenthood, but the undercover videographers who exposed Planned Parenthood for selling babies' body parts. This was stunning. It was on Monday. Forbes published an article with the headline, GOP Prosecutor. Abortion foes committed crime in fetal tissue case, not Planned Parenthood. Quoting the article, The Houston Chronicle said this afternoon that videographers who work for the anti-abortion group Center for Medical Progress were indicted by a Harris County grand jury of, quote, tampering with a governmental record. 
If found guilty, the charge carries a prison term of up to 20 years, according to the reports. They were also indicted on a charge of selling human organs, not Planned Parenthood. Those who tried to expose Planned Parenthood. Stay with me because I made the decision this morning to get into this a little bit. I thought it was rather ironic. Uh, Many were posting comments and publishing articles about the so-called coincidence of the historic blizzard named Jonas, which is the same name as Jonah that hit Washington, D.C. Did you know that it was on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade? I don't think that's coincidence. I personally do not believe that is coincidence. Um, Let me explain why. I would humbly submit that God takes the abomination of abortion, which is the ancient worship of Molech, very seriously. Pictured here is an artist's rendition of the image of Molech, which was made of brass with a fire in the belly. That's where that expression comes from, by the way. So as to offer child sacrifices on its outstretched arms. Unwanted babies from their sexual immorality were sacrificed to the god of Molech. Um, it's, it's the same thing, but it's been repackaged. And Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 31 says, Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. In Leviticus chapter 18, verse 21, it says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. The Israelites were fully given over to the worship of Molech and had participated in these child sacrifices. Now, let me hasten to say that abortion is not the unforgivable sin. God is a forgiving God and God is a restoring God. And there are testimonies after testimonies of the healing that God has brought into many lives of many people who have had abortion be a part of their past. It is not the unforgivable sin. God forgives and God will restore the one who has been a part of this. I think of the many women who have had abortions and then come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have powerful testimonies of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. It is an evil for sure, but God forgives and God heals and God restores. But absent repentance and healing, this is terrifying. This is very serious for a Christ-rejecting world. The reason I say that is if God judged Israel severely for this, and he did, 
then wouldn't it stand a reason that he will also judge this world for this evil? I tell you, I think the wrath of God, the hand of God is only being stayed because we're still here. And the Holy Spirit, the restrainer, is still here. But when that trumpet sounds, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we who are alive and remain are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, all hell's going to break loose on earth. And God is going to pour out His wrath on this Christ-rejecting world, and the judgment of God is coming. Let me... um, try to bring in for a landing if you'll just be patient with me for a couple more minutes. This was Tuesday. I don't know if you saw this, but um, Fox News reported on the doomsday clock. Did you know that there's a doomsday clock? This is not a Christian thing. This is a secular scientist thing. (laughs) There's a doomsday clock, which has been around for many, many years, and it reflects, uh, quote, a grave threat to the world. Let me quote this uh, interesting Fox News article. Rising tension between Russia and the U.S., North Korea's recent nuclear test, and a lack of aggressive steps to address climate change are putting the world under grave threat. Scientists behind a doomsday clock that measures the likelihood of a global cataclysm said on Tuesday. Quoting again, Unless we change the way we think, humanity remains in serious danger, said Lawrence Krauss, chair of the bulletin's board of sponsors. The scientist behind the bulletin adjusted the clock from five minutes to midnight to three minutes to midnight last year in 2015. Did you know that? Yeah, three minutes to midnight. Have a nice afternoon. Have a nice evening for that matter. The doomsday clock is three minutes till Midnight. Well, here's the bottom line. God has a doomsday clock, too. And I truly believe that it's going to strike midnight any time now. And I make no apologies for the bluntness with which I say that. But I say that for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that God's judgment is coming. Call it doom and gloom? Fine. It's the truth. Just because you may not like, quote, doom and gloom does not mean it's not the truth. It's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And the truth of the matter is, When that clock strikes midnight, it will be very sudden. And it will come at a time when the world is not expecting it. Jesus said, Behold, I come at an hour you expect not. And if there was ever a time for those who have never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, I would humbly submit that time is now. Do not put it off. Do you... Believe me when I say this, that one of the primary purposes of prophecy is so that unbelievers will believe. Let me say that in a different way, the same thing. One of the primary purposes 
for Bible prophecy is that those who don't know Jesus Christ will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when they see all of the prophecies beginning to come to pass. This is John 14, 29. Jesus speaking, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. In other words, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens so when it happens, you'll believe. When you start seeing that which was foretold by the prophets of old, and when you see these prophecies beginning to come to pass that were foretold in the pages of Scripture with not 99% accuracy, 100% accuracy, that you would believe. John 13, verse 19. Jesus says, I am telling you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am. I am the great I am. That's for not non-believers. What about believers? Well, one of my favorite verses, Luke 21, 28. You should all have this memorized in 12 different languages by now, as often as we quote it. <laughs> when these things begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. Key word, begin to come to pass. Would you agree that they're at the very least beginning to come to pass? I believe they're not just beginning to come to pass. They are, in fact, coming to pass. Exactly as God's Word said they would. And this is why we do this every Sunday and have for years. And this is why we're going to keep doing this every Sunday until it's the last Sunday, whenever that is. I had someone say to me, you know, you, you say the same thing every week on Sunday at the Prophecy Update. I said, I know. And I'm going to keep saying the same thing every week in the Prophecy Update on Sunday because one of these weeks, <laughs> that's going to be the last time I'm going to say it because the trumpet is going to sound and the Lord is going to return and we are out of here. We are out of here. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Why don't you stand? We'll pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the more sure word of prophecy. Thank you for telling us in your word what's going to happen before it happens so that when it happens, we'll believe. And believers will look up knowing that our redemption draws nigh. Lord, my prayer is for anyone who might be here in this church or watching this by way of the internet, wherever they're at in the world, if they don't know you, that today they would call upon you 
and be saved. That they would confess with their mouths and believe with their hearts that you, Jesus, are Lord of lords and King of kings. And Lord, for those of us who have been walking with you for many years, watching for you for many years, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen our hearts that we would not grow weary in lifting up our heads, waiting for our redemption, waiting for that trumpet to sound, that, Lord, you would encourage and strengthen us until that day comes. And, Lord, lastly, come quickly. Maranatha. In Jesus' name, amen. With that, let's get into the Word of God. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us today as we begin a new chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and our text will be verses 1 through 4 today. Uh, I'll ask you to turn there if you're not there already, and once you do, if you're able, uh, please stand. You can follow along as I read. If not, that's all right. You can remain seated. The Apostle Paul is writing and says, verse 1, follow the way of love, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone, notice the emphasis on that, it's actually a different word of prophecy, but verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But, verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone, verse 4, who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We're just so thankful to you for this time that we have together in your word this morning. And we're looking to you, Lord, the author and the finisher of our faith, to minister to us in and through this portion of Scripture that we have open before us today. Lord, would you speak in that still, refining voice of the Holy Spirit, very personally, very clearly, into our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Today's teaching is going to be part one of a new series that I've titled Practical Worship Guidelines. First Corinthians 14 is really a unique chapter in the sense that it provides us with the nuts and bolts, if I can say it that way, of our worship, both privately and as well publicly. As we're going to see in our verse-by-verse study through this chapter, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is going to address the Corinthians' ignorance as well as their arrogance concerning the use and really the abuse of the spiritual gifts. However, in all fairness to the Corinthians and 
for all their problems centered around their abuse and misuse of the gifts, um, they're at least to be commended for exercising the gifts. In other words, to their credit, they were eager for and open to the supernatural manifestation of the spiritual gifts within their worship services. The problem wasn't that they weren't using the gifts. The problem was that it wasn't being done properly, decently, and in order. Hence, the reason why we have 1 Corinthians 14 in our Bibles. Uh, actually, this explains what I'll call bookend verses in the last verse of chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 31, and the first verse here in chapter 14, where Paul, in effect, acknowledges their eager desire for the gifts. He's, in a way, almost commending them, but he's also saying that their eager desire for the gifts, their exercising of the gifts, needs to be vis-a-vis the most excellent way of love. In chapter 12, verse 31, he says, Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way, which is an introduction to chapter 13, the famous love chapter. And then subsequent to chapter 13, the first verse in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Follow the way of love that I just got done writing you about, teaching you about in chapter 13, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. But then he adds, especially prophecy. And we're going to see why here shortly. It seems that the issue was not that the Corinthians didn't desire the gifts. Rather, it's that they selfishly and carnally overemphasized the gifts. I suppose... It could be argued that in some ways it's better to err on the side of overemphasizing the gifts as opposed to never using the gifts. I think that can be the greater issue. And I'll take it a step further and suggest this. I believe that God has given every one of us a gift, sometimes more than one. And it's been deposited into each of our accounts, as it were. But the problem is, is that oftentimes many a Christian will never make a withdrawal so as to put it to use. Many years ago, I was at a senior pastor's conference for Calvary chapels from all over the world. It was in California. And the speaker made the comment, it was really, a, I think, a an insightful observation on the part of uh, the Calvary chapels. And he suggested that his concern was that the Calvary chapels were erring on the other side of this, in that um, there was no use of the gifts. And it, it, in our desire to not be too Pentecostal, we sort of went to the other extreme. And please, I don't mean this to be derogatory towards our Baptist brothers and sisters in Christ or our Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ. But I think that there are two extremes on the one side where 
the Baptists believe in cessationism, which we've talked about, in that the gifts have ceased. And then you have over here on the opposite spectrum, the Pentecostals who, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, hyper-Pentecostalism where the gifts, I believe, like they were in the Corinthian church, were used in a way that created confusion and chaos. And so the admonition from this uh, pastor was that we've kind of become more like the Baptists in our attempt to not be like the Pentecostals. And I think to err on both sides uh, can be an issue. And this is the issue that I believe Paul is addressing. Um, it's been said that unique to the Calvary chapels were Bapticostals. Uh, in the sense that, <laughs> I know last time I, I mentioned that, I, I got some interesting comments. But, um, you know, decently and in order, yes, but not at the expense of using the gifts. But then don't go to the other extreme and, like the Corinthians, overemphasize the gifts. Where all of a sudden now, in a church service, you've got people speaking in tongues with no interpretation. Which is why Paul is going to get very specific about when tongues is spoken in a church setting, it has to be accompanied by the interpretation of tongues. Now, I think I shared a, a few weeks back that I've really been looking forward to, and I love the timing of God's Word. Where, wherever you're at in God's Word, that's where you're at, both individually and also corporately as a church. And I think that where we're at as a church now, especially uh, prior to getting into our new building, when I can't wait because we actually have a church that we can go to seven days a week <laughs> instead of just Thursday nights and Sunday mornings. And we can, it's, it's our church. We can do whatever we want. So, well, not whatever we want, but I mean, <laughs> I have been for many years now praying that we would be able to have what are known as believers meetings a.k.a. afterglows, where we just wait upon the Lord and we have the gifts of the Spirit manifested in that church setting for the edification of the body of believers. I think we're there. Uh, we're at the place now as a church corporately where uh, with especially this teaching and we'll revisit this teaching when the time comes as far as the guidelines when it comes to what a believer's meeting is. And it will probably be in the context of a uh, midweek. It wouldn't be something that we would do on a Sunday morning, but I am looking forward to uh, doing that once, Lord willing, we're in our uh, new church building. But the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 4, verse 14, addresses this. He says, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You know, it's interesting. I was reflecting on this this last week in preparation for this teaching here in 1 Corinthians 14 that when I first received the uh, gift of tongues, this prayer language, I was using it all the time. Every day, sometimes all day. Just that praying continually in the Spirit, in this prayer language that God had given me. And 
It's interesting, over the years, this has been many, many years ago now, um, I started neglecting that. I started neglecting that. And the Lord really just impressed upon my heart how easy it is to neglect the one thing that God gives you, that gift that God gives you, to edify you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. So it is possible to neglect the gift, but presupposing we don't neglect the gift, we still have a problem here, and it needs to be resolved as it relates to the proper way to exercise the gifts, and more specifically, the gift of tongues. Now, it seems that this was the primary focus of the Corinthian church, which is why Paul is now seeking to correct them and even redirect them and get them to focus more on the gift of prophecy, prophesying, as opposed to tongues, and for good reasons. And this is where our text today comes into play. Paul is going to explain why it is that the focus of their worship services was to be on the edifying of the church over the edifying of oneself, which it seems they were doing the latter. In verse 1, he tells them to follow, or as some of your translations render it, pursue the way of love and to also eagerly and earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. And he says why in verse 2, that speaking in tongues is not to people but to God. As no one understands the mystery they utter, it's a language that is unknown. It's an unknown tongue. Whereas in verse 3, he goes on to tell them that prophecy, on the other hand, speaks to people to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort them. And boy, <laughs> who of us doesn't need to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted? Those are Three very important dynamics in the life of a church and truly in the life of a Christian as well. In verse 4, he says that the one who speaks in tongues is only edifying himself, whereas the one who prophesies edifies the church. I tell you, I've been in believers' meetings where God would give a prophetic word fitly spoken, a scripture verse usually, that was perfectly and exactly and precisely what I needed to hear. In fact, in some cases, it's a prophetic word that answered and even confirmed a prayer that I had been praying. And so the Lord, and I've also been on the other side of that, where the Lord has given me a word, and I'm fighting Him, Lord, I don't want to get up and speak. What if it's, you know, what if it, that's not you? And, of course, the enemy's right there trying to get you to think that, oh, come on, that's not the Lord. No, but I, and then you're fighting the Lord, and so the Lord just goes on to somebody else, and then somebody else has that exact word that you were supposed to get up and speak. And you're like, oh, I blew it. I totally blew it. I, the Lord gave it to me. Lord, next time when you give it to me, I'll get up and I'll speak it. Because invariably... Because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what every single person 
in a church body needs. They know exactly what that strengthening word is, that encouraging word is, that comforting word is that they need at that time. Sometimes it's a word of wisdom. Sometimes it's a word of knowledge. Sometimes it's a word of prophecy. And I think as a church, we do err greatly when we don't allow the Holy Spirit to minister to the body in that way. It's important to understand that the Apostle Paul is not in any way being dismissive of the gift of tongues. You might almost get that impression when he is really rebuking them concerning the gift of tongues. But the truth of the matter is, uh, tongues was and today still is a dominant gift. So much so that in verse 18 of this chapter, Paul says that he thanks God that he spoke in tongues more than all of them did. It almost sounds kind of boasting a little bit. But he tells them, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you do. In other words, Paul really exercised and used this dominant gift. Even the Savior himself validates the dominance of this gift when he tells the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. So much for cessationism that teaches the gifts have ceased. They have not ceased. Perhaps an explanation of what tongues and prophesying is would maybe be helpful at this juncture. Uh, maybe it's an oversimplification, but tongues is the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit whereby one speaks prayer, praise, worship, and thanksgiving to God. Conversely, prophesying is the supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit whereby one speaks a prophetic word from God to man. Tongues is from man to God, and prophesying is from God to man. And the reason Paul is delineating between the two is because he wants to clear up this confusion surrounding the gift of tongues. Now, it's really important. This is where context becomes of paramount importance. From chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians on through the remainder of the first epistle, Paul is answering questions that they wrote him about, which means that they asked him about this. I kind of imagine them writing, Paul, we got a problem. we got people in our church that are speaking in tongues, and it's creating a lot of problems in the church. What do we do? Uh, you know, we, we don't want to, you know, grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to use the gifts. We eagerly desire the gifts, but uh, they're creating a lot of problems within the church. And so this is Paul's answer concerning their question about this matter. Now, tongues is from man to God, 
whereas prophecy is God through man to man, such that the prophetic word strengthens, encourages, and comforts the whole church. That's the edification of the church. But keep in mind that tongues strengthens and encourages and comforts the believer too. I can't even begin to tell you how much the prayer language, the, the praying in tongues uh, that God has gifted me with, and some of you with, I know, how much it's uh, been an encouragement to me. Uh, even just this last week, I, um, on Thursday morning, learned that a dear friend of mine, in fact, he was uh, one of my elders at the church that I pastored on the mainland, had went home to be with the Lord after a really um, tough battle with cancer, which really was um, a lifelong battle. He had been misdiagnosed and had to have a liver transplant and, and uh, had all kinds of problems. And uh, he was my age, 53, and for the last 40 years since he was 13 years of age, he's been really battling a, a host of, you know, physical uh, problems and medical issues. And um, he leaves behind his wife of 30-plus years and his daughter. Um, his wife, uh, and his name is Kevin Davis, and uh, his wife Margaret were uh, very close to Kelly and I. They were, like Kelly and I, uh, unable to have children, and they actually uh, were able, miraculously, to have a daughter. And her name is Kayla, and she's 13 years old now. You might remember them in prayer. They're just, um, you know, of course, grieving, not as the world, you know, grieves, but we, we don't grieve as those without hope, but it's still very hard. His parents are still alive and his brothers and their wives. And and uh, on Thursday when I had gotten the news, I, <laughs> um, it was a tough day, and usually Thursday is a study day, and I just was, you know, unable to concentrate on just, Grieved. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad for him, his home going, but I'm just heartbroken for his uh, family and his wife and his daughter particularly. But, um, and I, and the Lord just impressed upon my heart to just start praying in tongues, and I started to just pray in this prayer language of tongues, and it was almost instantaneous. There was a, a strengthening of my heart and encouraging, a comforting of the Holy Spirit. And I was able to um, study, and uh, I made it through Thursday night. I just prayed, Lord, make it, you know, that's our midweek Bible study, right? <laughs> We're going to finish First Kings. Lord, just help me get through. And, you know, God is always faithful. His grace is always sufficient. But God has given this gift to us for those reasons. But he's also given the gift of prophesying to the church for the very same reasons, because it's for the edification of the church as a whole. Again, I, I, I want to be very careful that in no way uh, our understanding of this passage is a diminishing of tongues. It's not really a diminishing of tongues, it's a contrasting with tongues. You know that famous verse in Romans 8:28, for we know that God works all things together for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. I want to read you the two verses before it, Romans 8:26 and 27. 
And again, this is this is why tongues is so important to a Christian in their life personally. It enables us to pray to God with words that in the natural I just cannot express. And sometimes there are no words at all, only moans that come from the cry of the heart. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. When our daughter Noelle was born, and we knew that it would only be a matter of time before she would die, my wife and I, who we would sleep in shifts because we had to uh, care for her around the clock, and I remember when it was my shift and my wife was sleeping, and in the early hours of the morning, I would be holding my daughter, and there were no words to pray. There were no words to pray. But I specifically remember the groans. <laughs> and I could only groan. I could only just, you know, in that unknown tongue, just cry out to the Lord. And the Lord hearkened unto the voice of my cry. I didn't know how to pray. Lord, <laughs> what is your will? Um, my will is that you heal her miraculously and that she doesn't die. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And the Holy Spirit interceded. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts, knows our hearts and mind, and knows what needs to be prayed. And so the Holy Spirit, by way of this gift, intercedes on our behalf. And it's always a glorifying and a magnifying of God. And this is the, the thing as we get more into this, uh, especially when we get into our building, the, the litmus test by which we know whether or not a word of prophecy is from the Lord or not is this, three, I'll call it a three-pronged template. Does it strengthen? Does it encourage? And does it comfort? And I think you could take that same template and superimpose it on tongues. Uh, are you strengthened? Are you encouraged? And are you comforted? I will say that I don't know how I could have ever gotten through this, and my wife as well, had it not been for this gift that God had given us to be able to communicate with Him in wordless groans, as the Apostle Paul says. I think it's unfortunate, though, that the Corinthians were abusing such a grand and glorious gift like the gift of tongues and that they were doing it in the context of their worship service. And again, this is why Paul is answering their question and correcting them uh, and their overemphasis on tongues and wanting to redirect them to not abandon tongues altogether, but rather pursue prophecy when they're together. So instead of tongues in the setting of a worship service, 
their emphasis should be on pursuing prophecy because that edifies everybody. And the, the reason we're going to see this later on in the chapter is because in the church service, you're going to have Christians and non-Christians that are going to be present. And Paul is going to address why you have to be really careful when it comes to the gift of tongues. I'll never forget, and I know I've shared this before, my first experience at a Pentecostal church, I had no idea what to expect. All I know is this friend invited me to church. I said, yeah, sure. You know, why not? I walked in that, that door and um, it was freaky because, <laughs> I mean, everybody was speaking in tongues at the same time. And nobody was interpreting anything, and they're clapping and jumping and speaking in tongues. And, and I thought, and I hadn't got to that part in the Bible yet. I was reading the Bible from cover to cover, but I hadn't got to the part about tongues. And I, had, I was a blank slate, and I remember asking them, what are they doing? <laughs> what is going on here? And he um, explained to me what was going on and. I never went back. Uh, boy, was I glad when I first stepped foot in a Calvary Chapel and everything was decently and in order. And I'll never forget my first believers meeting when I saw the gifts actually exercised in a biblical and proper way. It was a, a life changer for me uh, personally. But Paul is wanting them to be careful when it comes to tongues for uh, those reasons. Now, here's a question, though, that I think comes up. Why? Why were they doing this? Why were they speaking in tongues in this way within the church service? And apparently at the expense of prophecy, which they were, it seems, neglecting. Well, I believe that it was because the Corinthian Christians only cared about themselves. They didn't care about others in the church. They certainly didn't care about the non-believers who might have been in that church. Now, I know that sounds a little harsh, but the fact remains that this is characteristic of selfish carnality. Selfish carnality is the only explanation that I can come up with. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that these Christians there in Corinth were self-focused. They wanted the attention on themselves. And, wow, you must be really spiritual because you speak in tongues. You must be a mature Christian. I, I picture in my mind this church service, what it would have been like to attend this church there in Corinth, what one of their services would have been like. And I think it would have been a lot like this uh, church that I uh, had experienced. It was chaotic. It was confusing. And the reason it was is because everyone was trying to draw attention to themselves. Now, tongues strengthens, tongues encourages, tongues comforts the believer individually, but it's prophecy that will do it for the church corporately. So this self-focused carnality that we're going to see 
here in this chapter that Paul is going to address and in a way, true to form, very bluntly. I want to close this way. I think it would behoove every single one of us to ask ourselves the question of whether or not we are self-focused. Self-focused. I was having a conversation with my oldest son about being self-focused, where you're thinking only of self. You're not thinking of others. And the most miserable people you'll ever meet in the world are people who are living for themselves. The, the most uh, discontent people uh, that you'll ever meet, Christian or non-Christian alike, are people who are self-absorbed, narcissistic, self-focused, living for self. And we know from Scripture and really from the words of the Savior that it's the polar opposite that's true. You want to live, die. (laughs) Die to self. The most fulfilled people you will ever meet in this life are